Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. We all know real life can suck sometimes, and your boss accidentally seeing you in your underpants on Zoom last week doesn't help any. That's why Reluctantly Codependent Sisters, the Shira and Rashalia, keep you enthralled and in stitches every week with their podcast, Legendary Africa. Every Monday and Friday, we take you on a journey of mythical lands, magical objects, and monstrous creatures, both ancient and modern. Find Legendary Africa on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever you feed your ears. And remember, stay safe, stay sexy, and stay legendary. Hello and welcome to the Monster Legends Podcast. I'm your host, Tanner, and this episode is on Hawaii. And before I begin the episode, I just want to say um, sorry for the delay this week. I was getting some stuff together and everything's together now, and hopefully stuff will be working well. Anyway, I'll tell you what I got though. I got um, a shock mount, a boom arm, some foam, and a table. A place to sit now. I won't be in the closet. It's good. So I was waiting for everything to come in the mail and get everything together. So I took Hawaii State for recovering today. Uh, it's from the Smithsonian. Smith? Sonian Magazine website. Uh, the Hawaiian Islands were first settled as early as 400 CE when Polynesians from the Marquesas Islands, 2,000 miles away, traveled to Hawaii's Big Island in canoes. Highly skilled farmers and fishermen, Hawaiians lived in small communities ruled by chieftains who battled one another for territory. The first European to set foot in Hawaii was Captain James Hook, James Cook, uh, who landed on the island of Kauai in 1778. Cook, who named the island after the Earl of Sandwich, returned to it a year later and was killed in the confrontation with Hawaiians at Kilekekwa Bay on Hawaii's Big Island. By the way, sorry for these mispronouncements. Uh, between 1791 and 1810, King Kamiha in Dragon conquered other rulers. He added the entire archipelago into one kingdom. Hawaii's first king, who died in 1819, is still with floral parades every June 11th, King Kamehameha Day. In 1820, the first Christian missionaries arrived. Shortly afterward, western traders and whalers came to the islands, bringing with them disease that devastated the native Hawaiian population. Hawaiians had numbers about 300,000 when Cook arrived. By 1853, the native population was down to 70,000. Dude, 200,000 people died. 1751, 55, right? 1778. It's uh, hard. Uh, in the 1890s, the last Hawaiian ruler, Queen Lilo Yuro. Lili Yukalani 
was deposed, imprisoned, and forced to abdicate. The author of Aloha, Aloha Oe Hawaiian's signature song, um, she remains a Hawaiian's heroine, Honolulu's Hawaii Palace, where she relived during her reign and where she was held captive after the coup, was restored to its late 19th century appearance in the 1970s and is open to the public for tours and concerts. Uh, December 7th, 1941, she still lives in infamy as the day more than 2,300 Americans were killed in the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor on the islands of Oahu. The USS Arizona, which sank with 1,100 men aboard, returned to a uh, memorial in 1962. The attack forced U.S. involvement in World War II, which ended with an unconditional Japanese surrender signed on September 2, 1945. On the USS Battleship Missouri today, World War II bus can tour to Missouri, which is still anchored in Pearl Harbor. Episode? Oh, man, today. So last week was been. This is from Ancient Origins. AncientOrigins.net The Menhune of Hawaii, Ancient Race or Fictional Fairy Tale By uh, April Holloway, June 11, 2014 In Hawaii mythology, the Menhune are said to be an ancient race of people small in statue, stature uh, who lived in Hawaii before sailors arrived from Polynesia. Many scholars attribute ancient structures found on Hawaii, Hawaiian islands to the Menhune. However, others have argued that the legends of the Menhune are a post-European contact mythology. There is no such race existed. The mythology of the Menhune is as old as the beginnings of Polynesian history. When the first Polynesians arrived in Hawaii, they found dams, fish ponds, roads, and even temples, all said to have been built by the Menhune or superb craftspeople. Some of these structures still exist and the highly skilled craftsmanship is evident. According to the legend, each Manuhune was a master of a certain craft and had one special function that they accomplished with great precision and expertise. They would set out a task to build something in one night and if this was not achieved, it would be abandoned. Some scholars such as folklorist Catherine Lomala theorized that the Menuhune were the first settlers of Hawaii, descendants of the Marquias Islanders, who were believed to have first occupied the Hawaiian Islands from around 0 to 350 AD. When the Tahitian invasion occurred in about 1100 AD, the first settlers were subdued by the Tahitians who referred to the inhabitants as Manuhune, which means lowly people or low social status, and not diminutive in stature. They fled to the mountains and later came to be called Menehune. Proponents of this, of this theory points to an 1820 census who listed 65 people as Menehune. Uh, Leo Luomala claims that the Menehune are not mentioned in pre-contact mythology and therefore name does not refer to an ancient race of people. However, this argument holds little weight as most accounts of the past were passed down through word of mouth for one gener- generation. Uh, if Luomala and other scholars in her camp is correct, 
there was no ancient race of skilled craftspeople that predate that predated the Polynesian. The, then there were must be an alternative explanation for the ancient constructions of an of advanced design which predated any known population in Hawaii. However, no alternative explanations exist. Most history books still maintain that the Polynesians were the first inhabitants of Hawaii some 1500 years ago. So let's examine some of the ancient instructions that have been attributed to the Manihune and mythology of the region. Uh, the Alakoa fish, fish Pond, sometimes called the Manihune Fish Pond, is one of the first finest examples of ancient Hawaiian agriculture. A lava rock wall between the pond and the Hewlett River, which is 900 feet, uh, 274 meters long and 5 feet, 1.5 meters high, was built to create a dam across a portion of the river in order, in order to trap young fish until they grew large enough to consume. The stones that were used from Makawel Village, some 25 miles, 40 kilometers away, it is considered to be an unexplained and interesting achievement and was placed on the National Register of Historic Places in 1973. Hawaiian legend states that the pond, pond, pond was placed, built in one night by the Manahune, who formed an assembly line from the fish pond location to Makawel, passing stone one by one from start to end point. Uh, Necker Island is part of the northwestern Hawaiian Islands. Few signs of long-term human hab habitation have been found. However, the island contains 52 archaeological sites with 33 uh, uh basalt upright stones believed to be celestially oriented and stone artifacts, artifacts uh, much like those found in the main Hawaiian islands. The Hilo very only slightly design, but generally feature rectangular platforms, quartz, and upright stones. One of the largest of these submarine sites measures 8.6 meters by 8.2 meters. 11 upright stones of what are believed to be original 19 are still standing. Uh, many anthropologists uh, believe that the island was a submarine and religious site according to the myth and legends of the people of Kauai, who which lies to the southeast. Necker Island was the last known refuge to the Manihune. According to the legend, the Manihune settled on Necker after being chased off Kauai's by the stronger Polynesians and some subsequently some uh, yeah, some built the various stone structures there. Visits to the island are said to be started a few hundred years ago and the main Hawaiian islands were inhabited and ended a few hundred years before European contact. Uh, Ki... It's word. Ki... Ki... Uh, Ki... Kawala. It's a historic irrigation ditch located near Wamiya on the island of Kwai. Uh, also known as the Manahune Ditch. It was ended... It was added to the National Register of Historic Places on November 16, 1984. Hawaiians built many stone line ditches to irrigate ponds growing taro, uh, kalo, uh, but very rarely employed dressed stones to line ditches. 
to 120 finely cut basalt blocks that line about 200 feet of the outer wall of the Manini ditch make it not just an exceptional but the academy of stone-based dishes. Stone-based ditches. Uh, in the words of agriculturist Wendell C. Bennett, it is purported to have been built by the Mahune. To date, no human skeleton remains of a physically small race of people ha have ever been found on Kauai or any other Hawaiian islands. While this does not disprove that a race of small people exists, it does not draw the truth behind the legend into question. Nevertheless, there is a compelling evidence, both agricultural and in numerous legends passed down over generations that suggests that there was indeed an ancient race of highly skilled people who have the Hawaiian Islands long before the Polynesians arrived. Pretty interesting. It's a little crafty little list, God's Hawaii. Uh, Kapua, the divine trickster or mischief maker of Hawaii. Uh, Kia? Is that right? Hawaiian creator god or first created man. Kupoa, Kupoa, generic term for the demigods of Hawaii, as opposed to the Akua, the gods proper. Kapo, Tapo, uh, daughter of Na Wahini and King, Kane, and married to uh, Kana Kanola. As such, she becomes the feminine aspect of Kanola. Kapo is also one of Pele's seven sisters and one of the goddesses of the Hula. Uh, Wakia. Wakia is the father of the earth and the preventing feeling deity of the gods and goddesses of nature. Uh, Honona. Hona is the being that is the earth, the spirit that is the planet. Hona's daughter is the goddess of the volcano. Pele. Uh, now Wahini uh, Io manifested as Kiowe became his heavenly daughter Nawini, the goddess Uli, the wife of King Uli is the highest manifestation manifestation of universal feminine energy, the goddess of serenity. Uli's Kiowe's first daughter is also worshipped as Malama, the goddess of the moon. Uli is as Uli Nana Popono was the one who saw all things uh, that Imjil did that were right, as Una Nanawi also saw all things that Imjil did that were wrong. Together, Eli Kene and Uli Nanawi created Kano, Ku, and Lono, the first three sons. They also had three daughters, Tafo, Hina, and Elaka. Who married the Kanalu, Ku, and Lono. God dang, that's complicated. I think. I don't know. Fuck it. Uh, Kyo uh, Kamakao, Spirit of Lava Foundations. Uh, Lono Makua, Keeper of the Sacred Fire Sticks. Uh, Kum Kumana, the Rain God of Kao. Kaunono. Ikola Kala, the eyeball of the sun, a celestial god with abode somewhere in the heavens, into whose presence departed spirits of chiefs were conducted. Man Manuna, referred to in some legends as the supreme sovereign of Po, with him abide the spirits of 
distinguished chiefs and priests who wander among beautiful streams and groves of coo trees, subsist upon lizards and butterflies, minor celestial dead, uh, Milu, successor of Akia, or who, according to another belief, accompanied Akia to Po and became the spiritual ruler of kingdom of a kingdom on its western confines. Akia, the first Hawaiian king who after life founded the island kingdom of Kappa Anomoku, the realm of Po or Death. The po, the po is the hate. Uh, Kawaio, the messenger who conducted the souls of distinguished chiefs to Kanokiaga. Uh, Olupoe, a god of Maui, who bore the spirits of no chiefs to the celestial paradise. Kamiha sought to secure possession of a very sacred image of this god inherited by uh, Ki Moi of Maui. Kolomoko, uh, the, the detailed chief who first learned the use of herbs the art of healing from the gods. He was a patron of the Kunas, Disciplines, or Alopua, and Makananyolone. So sorry. Again. Uh, Kuaku, God of the Husbandim. Husbandim. Husband. 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 Husbandim. Uh, Kane. God of the Hula and similar sports. Uh, Mokuli, God of the Canoe Makers. Hai, God of Kappa Making. Yulokaki, God of, dist- of Distillation. Lie, uh, Goddess of the Mountains who braided lays. Kia, Goddess of Maui held in great reverence. Uh, Epokoi and Umokai, evil shark or fish gods of Kauai. No, there were a number of sharks and lizard gods. They were powerful and malignant and greatly feared by the classes who frequent the seas. Heias were rented to on premises uh, promontories overlooking the ocean, and the offerings to them of fish and fruits were always liberal. They assumed the forms of giant sharks and lizards and not unfrequently blast the waters into furry and destroy canoes. Uh, Akula, Akula, the god of inspiration. Uh, Pele, goddess of the volcano, as well as fire, lightning, and wind. Hina, goddess of moon. Leka, Leka, goddess of the hula. Kula, goddess of fishermen. Pape, Tila goddess, Earth Mother. Poliahu, one of the four goddesses of snow, the rival of Pele. Uh, Hakila, sister of the goddess Pele. Haumia, uh, she was daughter to Papa, a fertility goddess, and mother to Pele, female volcanoes, and Hiakala, dance, specifically. Besides teaching humans, women how to give birth properly, she was considered a very wise woman 
and very brave. She rescued her husband from kidnappers and to uh, escape them leaps uh, with her husband into Ula Tree, Bedford. When the kidnappers tried to capture them by cutting the tree with their machetes, the splinters of woods and poisons sap from the tree killed the axemen. To appease Ahome, they carved the tree into a shape of goddess whom Ahome called Kami Ahaikana. Another cell stories involve her magic stick uh, wand, called her wand, made from an ula tree. The wand would create fruit on the tree or fish. One day, she was startled by one of her daughters. As she turns around to rebuke her daughter, Hone twisted her wrist so that the fish she was invoking were scattered to surrounding waters. So that is why Hawaii has so many fish. Uh, Ahole, keeper of the water of life, Pele's elder brother, Komole, also known as Kaliki, enjoyed lounging in deep waters around Maui. To amuse himself, he found a fleet of fishing canoes when they were out of sight, and hopefully lost Komole, would then in front of this, would lead and shake his tail. Taki, a fertility goddess and sorcery, as well as a spirit of dance, a kanehetkele, spirit of thunder, haule, god of speech. A hilaka wale ani, the heaven dwelling cloud holder. Mawaki nawai wa, a fire eyed canoe, canoe breaker. A hilaka noho laini, the heaven dweller. Crowd holding devils on the line. Uh, Hiaka Kola Mawaka, the quick glancing cloud holder. Komo Hawali, or King Moho, the king of vapor and steam. Kapokoke Kaiola, god of explosions. Kyo Kipo? Kyo Kipo? Okay, uh, God of the Night, Rain, or Rain of Fire. Kene Kadi, Husband of Thunder, or Thundering God, a hunchback. Oi Kam Okwa, the Fire Thrusting Child of War. Again, a hunchback. Lao Ma Mao, God of the Winds, the Wine Hulus. Whose home was on Molake. Uh, Hane Kuleo, goddess of rain. Kula, a goddess of fishermen from all islands. Temples were rated to him on the shores of favorite fishing grounds, and the first of every catch was his due. Hina, wife of Kula, filled with her husband, which held his favors. Lepo and Kanopa, gods of fishermen, or Lani on Lanine. Ahinale and her daughter Akula, goddess of fishermen of Hawaii. Yukanipo, the great shark god of Hawaii. Moali, the principal shark god of Oa and Molake. And Lonokiki, 
the ill god of all. Anyway, there you have <coughs> This is um, back on Menehune. It's an article from Crypto Mundo, posted by Lauren Coleman on May 11, 2006. I had an excellent time on the Coast to Coast AM radio program. From 2 a.m. to 5 a.m., my time. Last night, George Norrie and I shared high energy, great fun, and we moved through several topics you've been reading about here on Crypto Mundo. Uh, examples given are Blazing Mawas, um, Hood, Bigfoot, RTN Lake Monster, Thunderbird, Mothman, and Lizardman. The Crypto Cat bit was even briefly mentioned. Last hour, we also had a wonderful callers. I'll recap the program and link to the audio in our archives can be found here. This, uh, the first caller was a remarkable one. The woman, hey, if you're reading this, please contact me. Told of how she was about, told of how she saw about 20 menehune, the little people of Hawaii, crossing the road in front of her car, and she hit one. She said they were three feet tall, covered in three different colors of hair. Like little humans, but Harry said the thing left a bump in her car. She found it red hair. I think George and I asked her at the same time, Do you still have some of that hair? Unfortunately, there was a very that was a very long, long time ago, and she didn't have the sample. She did, and she didn't save the sample. Here's a good story, and I hope to have more about the recent sightings of the man in the name. They relate so directly to the florist people, the three, the little three foot tall homo florinus that is almost goes without saying. Luckily, I once journeyed to Hawaii over two decades ago for a two week stay with my son Malcolm and wife at the time. I spent the time on Kauai investigating recent signs of the Menehune seen around the islands. My research resulted in location progress contact in the article Mayune, the people of the Pacific uh, uh painting volumes forward number seven slide 1989 also summarized my investigation of the 1940s Wahume signs a man named by school superintendent George London and about 45 children from two middle elementary level classrooms on page 148 149 of the field guide of the Bigfoot and other mystery primates Details of the counter were recalled for me by Reverend Kenneth W. Smith, the pastor of Wame's Foreign Church, Christian Church, and Hawaiian Church, who had spoken with many of the witnesses firsthand. They told of seeing the Mayonnaise playing around large trees on a lawn of the parish property, which stands directly across the street from Wahume High School today. I highly recommend the people in Hawaii to visit the, that site today as an interesting point in a cryptozoological tour of the islands. As I previously mentioned on Coast to Coast, there's actually a census done where Mahoney were counted as anthropological study of many accounts authored by Catherine Lou Mala and published by the Bishop Museum in 1951 noted that 165 years previously under reigns of Kamul Ali, the less independent ruler of Kauai, 
and census of the population of the Wyoming Valley revealed that out of 2,000 people counted by the King's agent, 65 were Mahone. Loma herself wondered if the little people might be a tribe of dwarves. In a field guide, page 148, also mentioned accounts of Mahone-like figures believed to be dwarves from the island of Fiji, southwest of Hawaii. According to the Fiji Times, July 1975, the six witnesses to a mid-afternoon encounter described seeing eight figures, two feet tall, covered with black hair, run behind some bushes, and disappear. Uh, the Manhune of Hawaii directly relates to the reports of the hobbits of Flores, Indonesia, and the Nitiwa of Ceylon, Sri Lanka. Interesting. Uh, uh, Monster Science of Hawaii from ParanormalJunkies.net. Now, when we think of Hawaii, the last thing a person thinks about is monsters lurking in the darkness. But there are some very creepy monster sightings within this region. When I was making my previous video about the hobbits of Indonesia, I stumbled upon some very similar and very interesting encounters that are being reported in Hawaii. The good people of Hawaii have been seeing a race of dwarfs like humans, very similar to that of Homo floresensis going back for centuries. Now, the creatures are said to be about two to three feet tall, very muscular, and in some cases very hairy. The locals believe that the, the small human-like beings sleep during the day and they hunt at night. Now, according to uh, Hawaiian folklore, these creatures have a magical side and can communicate telepathically. They are also known to be great builders. It is believed they are responsible for building all types of things from temples to bridges to fish ponds and some native Hawaiians even believe they were descendants of these beings. Now, there are a lot of things of sightings of these small human-like creatures and one of the most famous these sightings happened in the 1940s by a group of school children. According to reports, the children started to observe a group of very small beings jumping and swinging in trees outside school. And once these creatures realized they were being watched, they ran to the churchyard that was across the street and they disappeared into small holes. Now, after this sighting, the churchyard was examined and they couldn't find any holes or tunnels on the property. But what is really interesting about this mass sighting is that it wasn't with just the 45 school children that witnesses. The school superintendent also saw these creatures. Then in May 2006, a woman was driving home and a very large group of these creatures ran in front of her car. She described them about three feet tall and also said that they were very hairy. Another very famous sighting happened when a group of friends were relaxing on the beach at about 11 p.m. when all of a sudden some bus buses, buses, Bus, bus, my accent, god dang, my accent. Date, 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 ripped right in there. Uh, some buses that were parked nearby started to shake violently. So the young man ran over there to see what was causing this. Uh, then they came face to face with a group what described as a bunch of tiny wild people. Uh, the men were so scared by the sight of these tiny creatures. They ran to their car and took it off as fast as they could. Now, there are a lot of signs of these tiny creatures in a way that is very similar to the Hobbit signs in Indonesia. 
making me wonder could they have traveled from Indonesia to Hawaii. There are believed to be very intelligent. Now in Hawaii, there are also sightings of Bigfoot-like creatures. In 1973, a 35-year-old man, 35-year-old named Rob Carlson, reports the stories that he had a very strange and terrifying encounter one day while fishing for catfish. According to his report, he just got done setting up catfish traps. He was about to head home when all of a sudden he heard an otherworldly howl. He had never heard anything like it before, and it, ter- and it terrified him. Now, this howl was so unique and strange that he thought that maybe his friends were playing a joke on him that everyone knew that he fishes in this area quite often. Then Rob started to hear some noises in the brush. He just expected to see one of his friends pop out and say, gotcha. But instead, he came face to face with a seven to eight foot hairy female-like creature. Then Rob went right into panic mode and he ran as fast as he could. Now, when he stopped to catch his breath, he looked back and saw the creature was following him. Oh my God, that's terrifying. Oh jeez, I can't, I can't do it. I want to be able to handle myself. Oh, I'm out. Bye. Oh my God. Rob describes it as a huge hairy woman. He felt like this beast was very curious. It's as if this creature had never seen a human before. That being my want. <laughs> you piece of that. You're flexing on muscles, Rob. But Rob did not want to make friends with. But Rob did not want to make friends. He was scared to death and he just kept running until he got home. Now, the next day, he had no choice. He had to go back to collect his traps. And he didn't notice some huge footprints measuring about 20 inches. 20 inches. How much, how much is that in like, how, what size of that? Size for 24, bigger than 24 foot, 20, size 24. Oh, wait. Uh, now, there are some things that make the sighting a little different from than your typical Bigfoot sighting. As when Rob first saw the creature, he thought it was a huge hairy woman, not a huge hairy ape. He also noticed that this huge female creature was wearing very light clothing around her waist, making this a very unique encounter. Huh, that's weird. It's not weird, it's unique. It's strange. That's strange. You have clothing, you're self aware. Now, this really. Now, that, now, what's really interesting about this sighting is not that, that far away from Rob's counter, there is a two lane road that runs through a pineapple plantation. And through all the years, people driving on that this road have reported to authorities that they have seen a huge eight foot plus bipedal human ape like creature and the locals are terrified of this thing one night at the accident a man told the cops that a creature a huge hairy man smashed into his car and almost flipped it over now this location is not really that remote making us wonder what the heck is going on here there's also signs of huge giant lizards in Hawaii and the locals say that these lizards can grow to about 30 feet long it is believed that they live in deep caves, pools, and deep ponds across the islands. Some Hawaiians believe that these creatures are guardians and they also possess supernatural powers. <clears throat> now, these lizards are a huge part of Hawaiian folklore, but most locals do not believe without a shadow of doubt that they do exist. One, favorite, one very famous mass sighting happened in 1838 when one of these giant lizards appeared before thousands of maids 
Ahas struck witnesses. Another more recent sighting happened to a woman named Maggie when her and her mother witnessed one of these creatures swimming in a nearby pond. Now these creatures seem to have more, be more mythical than actual, but because there have been a lot of signs of these giant lizards going back for centuries, some believe that it could be possible that a rather large unknown species of lizard could in fact exist on the Hawaiian Islands. Now this region is also a hotspot for gigantic octopus sightings. In 1928, a sailor with the U.S. Navy stationed off Pearl Harbor had numerous sightings of an octopus far larger than any known to exist. He claimed that the, this beast was about 40 to 50 feet long. In 1935, he returned to these witnesses with a crew to prove it. And eventually, he was able to find this elusive beast and in 1936, he took this photo. Um, but some believe that this picture is nothing more than a hoax. And in 1950, there was another sighting of a giant octopus by a man, by a man named Madison. Madison claimed that these that he witnessed an octopus as big as a car being attacked by sharks. And this huge octopus was easily fighting off these sharks with its huge tentacles, the best suckers the size of dinner plates. Then again, that very same year, another fisherman diving for turtles claimed to have encountered a giant octopus that was about 75 feet long. Now, at the time, nobody really believed these reports, but there is a species of octopus called the giant Pacific, Pacific octopus, Pacific octopus, and not that Pacific octopus, and not that long ago, we found a monster that it was official measured to be 30 feet long. So we know that the fishermen were probably telling the truth. There might be some bigger ones out there lurking around the Hawaiian Islands. That's as big as the colossal. Now we have covered land and sea, but what about air? In 1999, two soldiers on the islands of Oahu witnessed something very strange in the night sky. They reported observing a very odd flying creature that seemed to be just observing a very odd flying creature that tended to just be uh, glowing. Now, they observed this creature for quite some time, and they said that this, this flying beast must have had a wingspan of at least 20 feet, an elongated head, a very short neck, angular wings, and a very long tail. Then, in 2008, there was a mass sighting of a huge bird-like creature flying over the, the Kona International Airport, and the creature was identical to that of the two soldiers. Then again, again, in 2013, a family was driving along a very dark road at night. On the big island, when all of a sudden their headlights revealed a massive flying monster. Now, the scared this beast, and it took off right direction of the car, almost hitting it. The family was shocked beyond belief, as they had never seen anything like it. They said that the creature must have had a wingspan of about 10 feet, and they all believed to this very day that they saw a pterodactyl. Now, I have covered a lot of pterodactyl or pterosaur signs in one of my previous videos, and I'm amazed at how many signs there are each and ever, every year. Is what worldwide phenomena 
phenomenon. Uh, now, I am pretty shocked at how many monsters allegedly live on the Wine Islands. I was just going to make a video of, Hob a video of Hobbits of Hawaii, but I keep discovering more and more awesome monster signs. So I figure I might as well cover them all and add them to the series. So if you ever decide to go to Hawaii, make sure you pack a lot for this year's suntan lotion. So you never know, the locals might just be telling the truth. I'll take a quick break. I'll be right back. All right, I'm back. So, let's get on. I'll give you a real thank you for everyone for waiting on this episode. And I'll post some pictures in the Facebook group of the setup. I got so far. This is from uh, to Hawaii.com, Hawaii Myths and Legends. Hawaii Myths and Legends. Hawaii is full of myth and legends. Stories that are full of passion, betrayal, loyalty, birth, and death. According to W.D. Western Belt, one of the most famous retellers of Hawaiian myths and legends back in the early 1900s. Some of these myths and legends were very similar to the stories told in Tahiti, Samoa, Fiji, New Zealand and other islands in the Pacific Ocean. These Hawaiian stories tell the tales of gods and men, ghosts and goblins. One Hawaiian chant speaks of as many as 4,000 gods of the Hawaiian people. The ancient Hawaiians, like most indigenous peoples, felt a deep connection with nature and explained everything from the creation of the earth, the lava flowing from the volcanoes, through the stories of their gods and goddesses. The four main gods, Akua, Arku, Arku, Kane, Lono, and Konola. There are many lesser gods, Kuapo, each associated with certain uh, professions. In addition to the gods and goddesses, there are family gods or guardians, Kumako. There are many gods of Hawaii and Polynesia were often represented by tikis. Tiki statues were carved to re represent the image of a certain god and as a Embodiment of that specific god's mana of power. Uh, Hawaiian gods of the myths and legends. There's, this is only a partial list of the many Hawaiian gods. This day, there are revered and respected by many. Kane, a father of living creatures. Ken, Ken is the highest of the four major gods. Ku, god of war. Human sacrifices were made to Ku in ancient times. Konoloa, god of the underworld and teacher of magic, ruler of the ocean, complementary power and close companion of Kane. Lono, god of agriculture, associated with fertility, rainfall, music, and peace. Pele, goddess of the volcanoes, as well as fire, lightning, and wind. Hina, goddess of the moon. Laka, goddess of the hula. Kula, goddess of fishermen, god of fishermen. Uh, Papa, fertility goddess, earth mother. Uh, Peleua, one of the four goddesses of snow, the arrival of Pele. The knowledge of these ancient myths and legends were passed on from one generation to the next in the form of stories and chants. Blows the cushion of popular Hawaiian legends. Let's go check these out. The Legend of Menuhune. Hawaiian legends has it that many centuries ago, the Menuhune were a mischievous group of small people or dwarves who lived hidden in the forests and valleys of the islands below the first settlers arrived from Polynesia. These Menehune, who roamed the forces, forests at night, 
were said to be about two feet tall, though some were as tiny as six inches, small enough to fit in the palm of a hand. They enjoyed dancing, singing, and archery, and their favorite foods were bananas and fish. Uh, the Mahini have been known to use magic arrows to pierce the heart of angry people, igniting feelings of love instead. They also enjoyed cliff diving and according to the local lore, they were smart, extremely strong, and excellent craftsmen. They are rarely seen by human eyes and they are credited with many with mighty feats of engineering and overnight construction. These industrious master builders use their great strength to build temples, fish ponds, roads, canoes, and houses. One such structure they are believed to have built is Kika Kola, also known as the Mahone Ditch, a historic irrigation ditch that funnels water from the Wame River on Kwai. Another one of their amazing feats is the legendary overnight creation of the Alakua Fish Pond on Kauai, which archaeologists estimate to be around 1,000 years old. It is said that these uh, they built the Akuda fish pond for a princess and her brother. The shy but strong group lined up in a double row which stretched 25 miles to distant Makawa. The workers passed stones hand to hand to build the pond. The work at night so as not to, seem, to be seen by others, cutting, transporting, and fitting stones for their project in the Lauren Bucket Brigade. If they were discovered, the work would have been abandoned. The men who nay were promised to promise no one would watch them at work, which was carried out after dark. However, one night the low royal siblings snuck up watched the thousands of Mehune at work only to fall asleep. At sunrise the Mehune discovered them and turned them into twin stone pillars that can be seen today in the mountains above the fish pond. Interrupted by the sun, the Mahune left two gaps in the fish pond wall. Mandarations later, Chinese sailors filled the gaps to raise mullet, but the stonework that closed the gap was far inferior to that of the mystical Mahune. Another description has been passed down in the local folklore of the three Mahone of Hainlo. Hainlo is a forest on the north side of Heiklo Crater on Maui. The three Mahone were called Ahilu, Mahalo, and Ilu. Ilu and Ilu. I can't say these names. All the other Mahone living in Hawaii, Hawaii knew them well because they possess very unusual powers. <coughs> Sorry. Haolula means to tremble, and tremble and it seemed like this little man was always cold. But his magic gift was that whenever he would start shaking, he would become invisible and could travel anywhere without being detected. Heloe in Hawaiian means quick and nimble. Whenever Heloe moved, he was so quick that he disappeared and no one would follow him. No one could follow him. Heloe's name means lazy, but what most people didn't know is that whenever he appeared to be sleeping or lazy, his magical self became imperceptible and he would go around the islands and do good deeds. Even Though the Mahune were said to be displaced when the first settlers arrived in Hawaii, some people still believe that Mahune were roaming the islands carrying one out tricks on people. Indeed, in 1820 census, a listed 65 people as Mahune. Other Hawaiian mythology records refer to a few other forest dwelling races, the Nawa, who were very large wild hunters descended from Lu'nua and the Mu'a people, and the Wa'a people. Legend of the Night March. 
the retelling of a spooky ghost tale has been a favorite form of entertainment and has important cultural link in Hawaii since ancient times. Ghostly images or haunting acts have been reported in old buildings, deep valleys, sacred burial sites, ancient temple sites, forest areas, beaches, and lava fields. The rich history of mythology and folklore and numerous sacred sites. Uh, Hawaii's link to the past is ever-present. A good majority of Hawaii residents have either had a spooky encounter at some point during their lives or know of someone with an eerie story to tell. One of the most popular subjects of ghost stories is the Islands and Islands is the Night Marchers or Hokai Paul. Night Marchers are ghostly apparitions of a band of beings who move with a purpose to the beat of a primitive pounding drums. Some say they are armed spirit warriors and route to or from battle, toning archaic weaponry and clothed in decorated helmets and cloaks. Other accounts tell of high-ranking Ali um, ruler spirits being guided to place of high importance, or to become, or to welcome new warriors to join in battle. Perhaps these restless spirits are looking to reclaim rifle territory, replay a battle gone awry, or avenge their own deaths. Some say the night marchers are searching methodically for an entrance into the next world. Night marchers are said to roam through very specific locations and often recognized by their raised torches and repeated oils or chants. Although there have been a few scattered reports of daytime marches, these aberrations appear to be most active at night and are said to march on certain nights designated by the moon. And also the night marchers allegedly float a few inches off the ground. Some local accounts tell of some seeing mysterious footprints in their path after they have passed. Areas like the New Fonopau Lookout, Kwa Valley and Kali Valley on Oa are rumored sites of night marcher trails, and nighttime visitors are encountered to be are encouraged to be wary wary. Others Alleged night marchers sites include Aulus Pali Hawaii runs along the famous Kamehameha battle site and nighttime visits, especially alone, are not recommended. The Kamehameha School's campus in Kapalama on Oa, over 100 years old, is said to be have been visited by night marchers on many occasions. Akuala's ranch on Oa, Woodward Coast, uh, night marchers have been spotted around an area that is said to house the reins of hundreds of Hawaiian chiefs and are said to be responsible for a good many nighttime car accidents. At La Poas Bay, an area in the Hainia Kinao National Area Preserve in South Maui, the restless night marchers are said to roam along the hardened lava landscapes in search of mischief. The town of Kanokakai on Moloake is a rumor to be night marcher hotspot as remnants of Ilopoe Hill, a sacred temple site, are located nearby. Uh, Lali on Huna was a city of refuge in ancient Hawaii where criminal and offenders of the culture's strict Akipo religious practices were held. Even today, spirits of soldiers are said to roam 
outskirts of Lali, Church of Possible Escapees. Uh, what to do when when happening upon a night marcher in progress. The ghostly procession must never be interrupted. Legend has it that resting your eyes upon the night marchers could single a grim fake fate for the perpetrator, a friend or relative. So witness orders to crouch low to the ground, play dead, and avert the eyes. Any sound or movement could invite a night marcher's deadly glance. These night marchers are set diligently pondered destination and are not considered spirits that would deviate from the path to haunt humans humans nearby. Uh, favorite night of the night marchers Pokane and Pokakua. Pokane, during nights of the Hawaiian god Cain, chiefs, chiefs, priests, and close enemies march. While Pokakua, on the 14th night of the new moon, spirits of chiefs, warriors, and Amoka guardian spirits march between sunset and sunrise. Some char- characteristics of the mysterious night marchers include heavy wind, rows of spirits carrying torches, alternating male and female rows, occupying lightning and thunder, occupying heavy rain or high surf, chanting and drum beating, unusually bright torches, game playing and reverie, occupying mist or fog. Uh, other alleged night monster sites, Manalu on Owa, Kalua on Maui, Kika on Maui, Hana Pepe on Kauai, Konkuni on Lani, Waipio Valley on the Big Island, Hilo on the Big Island, Waipio on the Big Island. Ghost tours on in Halu are quite popular in several eerie tour centers around the Night Watchers and other eternal, eternal entities. Tell the Night Watchers even inspired a 2001 film titled Night Watchers. If you're interested in finding out more about the fear night marchers of Hawaii, pick up one of the many local books on the subject of the underworld, or sign up for a tour through haunted hotspots. Many locals who have never seen or heard the restless warriors tell you that very much believe in, in their existence. If you happen to see be in the path of the night marchers, and the front sound and faint sound drumming sends a chill up your neck, remember. Show the ancient warriors respect through solitude. Oof. Legend of Na... Na... Na Naoi Shark Man. Long time ago, in the big island of Hawaii, there lived a gorgeous young woman by the name of Kali. Kali lived in Waipoyo Valley. Each night, Kali would walk to the waters at the mouth of the valley to bathe in the sea. One night, Kamo Hawali, the king of all sharks, the region was swimming to the below the surface of the waters where Kali bathed. Under the shimmering moonlight, she disrobed and slipped into the warm waters as she did every night. Komoli saw Komoli and was entranced by her unique beauty. I bet you were. As shape shifter, he resolved that night. Next night, he would take on his human form as a chief and search the land for this beautiful and mysterious woman. He did as he planned for the next few days. He walked to the land as a chief and communed with the people of Wapio Valley in search of Kali. In time, he found her. They fell in love and married. Over time, Kali became pregnant with Kamui's child. Before the child was to be born, Shark King knew 
that his time had come to turn to the sea. He never revealed a trend any to Kali. Instead, he instructed Kali to give birth alone and watch over his child, who was to be a son, and to never allow the baby to eat the flesh of any animal. Reluctantly, he left Kali, whom he come to love dearly and return to the ocean. The lovers never saw each other again. Hey, dude. What's up, man? He's fucking... Hey, I get pregnant. Bye. I gotta go now. Sorry. On a dark night, as the islands winds went furiously, furiously through the valley, beautiful Kali gave birth to the shark king's son. She was afraid and saddened when she saw that the baby was born with the deformity on his back, a large open hole that resembled a gaping fish mouth. Whoa, that's crazy. Uh, he wrapped the baby in a thin blanket of tapa cloth to hide the deformity from the others. That night, she cried as she rocked her newborn son, for he was beautiful as she is. Besides his serving deformity, she named him Naune. As child grew older, she kept him away from me as the shark king had instructed her. But she could not protect him for long. Back in ancient times, men and women were not allowed to eat together. When the child came of age, his grandfather took him to eat with the men. He was fed meat for the first time and developed a ferocious and insatiable appetite. The gaping mouth on his back grew rows of sharp teeth. At that day, when Kali took her son to bathe in the stream, the watch, she watched in horror as, and fascination as he took the form of a young shark. He would swim and play in the water in fish form, chasing in the smaller creatures in the stream. As the creature grew into a man, Nanu also grew as a shark. After he would swim in the ocean, people would go missing. A great shark would come out of the water and tear his fellow swimmers limb to limb. The people of Waiapua Valley became suspicious. While Nanu never harmed in the ocean, he began to suspect that he had special powers, but not know that he was, but they did not know it was he who was actually killing his friends while in shark form. One day, the villagers discovered this great mouth on Noe's back. It all came together that he was one who had been causing all the deaths in their otherwise peaceful waters. The villagers were very angry and decided to capture and kill him. Noe then changed into shark form and escaped into the sea. From Waipoi Valley, Naone swam to the Hana side of the island of Maui. There he took the form of a man. He married a chiefess while on Maui and tried to hold back his desire for human flesh, but did, not, but did not succeed. One night, his hunger took a hold of him and he kidnapped a young girl, ran to the ocean, chased it and devoured her in plain sight of all. The people of Maui were outraged. They tried to spear Naone from, the canoe, from canoes but he swam quickly toward Moloke. Once again, after he had reached the island of Moloke, Naone tried to keep his true nature a secret, but as he grew older, his hunger only got stronger. By this time, tale, tales of the dangerous shark man were circulating through the islands. The Moloke people kept a lookout for this strange man shark. Finally, they saw Naone shape-shifting in the sea when he thought there was no one watching. They snared him while in shark form and beat, and beat him with clubs until the ocean was red with his blood. The people chained it continuously until Nanami became weak. His shark body was drugged to shore when he, where he was chopped to pieces and inserted in a large ocean. 
Dust died Naone, son of Komole, king of sharks. Legend of Kan Kaina Point. Northeastern side Northeast Northwestern coast of Owa is a point of land called Kaina Point. Nearby is a huge boulder known as Poaka Okawi or Rock Okawi. Legend has it that both of these landmarks came to become the actions of one man on a dark stormy night many years ago. On this night, when the wind raged, lightning struck, thunder rumbled, and the rain beats down from the heavens upon the islands of Hawaii. A baby boy was born. The storm was so vicious that this unrelenting rain that fell from the black clouds washed from the red soil through the valley, and soon the flood streams and thundering waterfalls churned as red as blood. As the storms raged on, a rainbow above appeared above the house in which the baby was born. It was still there the next day when the storm died down. The sky cleared and the sun came out. It was thought that this child was special and the rainbow was a sign of his power. The power the boy was named Hapua. He displayed incredible strength in an early age and eventually grew to be a brave, powerful warrior. He was known throughout the islands, respected for his amazing strength, but feared for his quick temper. One night, uh, Kainat, an Owa chief, organized a night fishing expedition. He gathered many people from the village and they set out in canoes of all sizes, torches, and their largest fishing nets. This same night, Hapua was sleeping in his royal home on Kauai. Some 30 miles from Owa, he woke to strange noises out on the water. And when he looked out, he saw faraway lights dancing in the back distance. Half asleep, Hopa imagined a group of warriors coming from Owa to attack his people. And so he rushed to the, way to the edge of a nearby cliff. Heaven heaved up a soldier and flung it out across the channel between two islands. The canoes were smashed and shattered into tiny pieces, and Chief Akina, who stood proudly in the middle of his people, lost his life, along with many other many other fishermen. Boulder hit the water with such force that the resulting waves washed huge amounts of sand onto the shore, forming a point of land. The survivors of the drastic fishing expedition made their way back to the shore of Aua, therefore named the Cape Kahina after the fallen chief. The boulder named the Rock Akawi. The Rock. Uh, this story begins with the goddess Hina, mother of Maui, who was thought to have been married to have married the moon. Hina had two daughters, Hina Kei, the mistress of fire, and Hina Kula, the mistress of rain. As a gift, Hina gave two mountains to her daughters. Haile for Hina Kei and for These hills were especially rich and fertile, and the sisters and their people settled on these lands and prospered for a long time. However, many years went by, and soon the rains began to fall less and less often until the ground became dry and shriveled. The taro planted on the hillside died, the bananas, sugarcane, and sweeptails withered, and the fruit on the trees died. Eventually, hunger beset the village. Beset the villages. Then, famine, for a long shadow of death, was over the land, 
the people feared the worst. Hinakiyagi knew that something had to be done to save her followers. She instructed the men to cross the river bed where no water flowed, enter the dry forest of Kawi and Oya, and gather firewood. The priests went on an exhibition of the well, uttering incantations against the possibility of failure. They offered sacrifices and prayers for the safe return of the men. The weakened laborers gathered and carried back what they could and took back to Hali Hill. Next, the famished men toiled, digging out the hillside under Hinakili's command, making a great emu or cooking oven. Preparing it with stones and wood, they lit the fire, and when the stones were hot, Hinakili directed the people to arrange the pit into a proper order, as if cooking the food for a great feast. Then Hina told them to make a place in the Hima for a human sacrifice. And quite despaired workmen, Obeyed Hina uh, Kiyoshi Kei, and prepared the place for sacrifice with dread, wondering who would be chosen to appease the gods in order to save the feet rest. But Hina Kei was Hina the kind. She surveyed the work and said it was good. She was full of pity and love for her people. Did this emo is my emo. I shall lie down on his bed of burning stones. I shall sleep under its covers. But, deep, but deeply cover me, or I may perish. Quickly throw the dirt over my body. Fear not the fire. Watch for three days. A man, woman will stand by the emu. Do as she instructs you. Hinaki'i stopped into the great pit and lay down on the burning stones. The man followed her instructions, placing the emu mats over their cheeses and throwing the dirt back under, into the oven until it was all thoroughly covered. Then they waited and watched over the oven, wondering what had come of the beautiful leader. But Hinakei was the mistress of fire, and so she could not be injured by the heat of the burning stones. She sank down through the emu the underground pass, which belonged to the spirit world. One day later, a gushing stream of water flowed from the land. On the second day, a pool, a pool full of water rose to the surface of the earth. And on the third day, a great spring of pure water burst forth from the seashore in the very path of the ocean waves. As a woman appeared, the emu, who commanded the laborers to dig away the dirt and open the oven. When this was done, the hungry people, in amazement, found a great abundance of food, so much that it less to their plants ripened again. And at that day, the famine was over. The people rejoiced because they knew it. Their teachers had escaped death and exalted Hina Kai in stories and song of the great mistress of fire. Meanwhile, his second sister, Hina Kula, who was always very jealous of her beautiful sister, Hina Kiai, heard of the miracle her sister had performed and then seeing and praise she had received from her people. Hikula's followers in Puna were also suffering from famine, from famine at this time. So she decided to provide for them the same way as her sister had done. She ordered a great hemo to be dug, a space for food, and a great human sacrifice. Yet in her jealousy, Hinakula forgot that she was a goddess of rain, and that rain and fire could not work together. She entered the pit, and the people quickly discovered, covered her with mats and earth as she commanded. 
They waited for the miraculous event to occur, but the stones, hot stones, had destroyed Inakula. She rose as a rain cloud above the emu. Her people waited for three days, then four, then five, but no one appeared, and they were still starving. On the fifth day, the villagers opened emu and found nothing but the ashes of Hina Kula. Her people perished. The ghosts of the sisters still appear near the old hills from time to time. Hinakuli has flown lava and Hinakula has clouds of legend of Puna and the dragon goddess. A long time ago, in the old Hawaii, there were two goddesses who were worshipped in temples. Kio Awi'ini and Haumia. When it was time for Hamia to marry, she took Puna, the chief of Oua, as her husband. What Hame did not know, however, was that Kiwini wanted to take Chief Puna for herself. One day, Puna and his people were traveling around the islands looking for a good surf spot. They found a fine surf place where a beautiful woman, Kiwini, were floating on the sea. She called to the chief and said that it was not a good place for surfing, but that if he followed her, she would take him to the perfect place far outside the reef. Thus the goddess lured Puna out to sea, far out of sight of his people, even the sharp peaks of the mountains of Oa, all the way to Molaki. Here the couple lived together in a cave for a long time. Kawagi took care of Hey dude, what's up? There is also surfing. Let's go surfing. This is hot chick there. Oh, let's live in this cave for a while. This hot girl. Okay. Wow. Uh, uh, I'm chief, by the way. I got responsibilities. Lori. Kyoki, uh, Kyoawini took care of him, prepared his food, and although life was not difficult for him there, Puno was in essence a prisoner. As leaving the island would surely mean death for him, his new wife and captor was in fact a dragon goddess. It could be very cruel if she was angered. Puna missed life by the sea and begged Kuaini to let him go down to the water. Eventually, she granted his request. Puna was allowed to leave the cave and go to the ocean. Down on the shore, he happened to upon his brother-in-law, Huani, who recognized him and invited him to his house to eat and talk. Huani told Puna of the true nature of Kuaini explained how he could escape her. He said to send her to Mama Kia for water, but not but, but put a hole in the water drawer so that she would be delayed and Puna would have time to escape. Puna went back to his cave and instead of announcing his presence with a loud shout as Dragon Goddess had instructed him to do, he approached quietly as Hune had suggested and thus he saw Kuani in a tree form covering scales with a long tail and huge claws. Puna, Puna was trembling and breathing hard. His wife found him and cursed him, calling him evil, threatening to eat his eyes. Puna stayed quiet, fearing him for his life, but soon the anger passed over her and she was calm again. Sounds a little bit like I get to understand where he's coming from. That time. Not that time. Soon, <laughs> soon Puna decided to try Hinola's plan. One day, he began to breathe hard as if he was sick. And when Kuni asked him what was wrong, he explained they needed the special ice water of Pule Mamwana Kia, the snow covered mountains of Hawaii. He knew that Kuaini scared herself strong and independent, so he finished by saying, I cannot ask you to go. It's a lot 
This is a long and difficult journey, not fit for a woman. As he expected, Dragon Goddess agreed to get the water for him. She took the water jar at the bottom, which Puna had made a small hole, and left the cave. Her husband rose as soon as she was out of sight. He found a canoe and crossed to Maui. Then he found another boat going to Hawaii, and at last landed at Kau. Kau. He went up and stood on the edge of the pit of the fire goddess Pele. Those who were living in the crater saw him and knew that he was Homui's husband. He quickly went down to the crater and stayed with them. He told them all about his journey and they took pity on him. In the meantime, Kiawini Kiawini went to Polio but could not fill the water's jar. He poured water in and fill a jar, but when the jar was lifted, it became light. She looked back and saw saw the water leaking out of the jar, assuming she had been tricked. Angry, she called out all dragons of Luaki, Lani, Maui, Kolua, Kaulai, and Hawaii. And they flew to the pit of Pele and stood on the edge of the crater. She called out all the people below, telling them to give her her husband. They refused to give Puna up, calling her a mischief maker and telling her to find her own husband rather than taking that which did not belong to her. Dragon threw the drooling saliva into the pit, almost throwing the small fires they had down there, but the fire rose up with great strength, burning dragons and killing some of them on the spot. They tried to hide in between the rocks, which opened up as the earthquake shook the crater, but fire followed the earthquakes and the fleeing dragons. Kwani managed to escape and leap down to the precipice into the fish pond Loka, the shadow lake, aimed after the shadow, or aka of the dragon. Here she was imprisoned for some time, till she went back to Moloke. On Moloke, she tracked down Hunone, meaning to kill him for helping Huna to escape, but Hunone saw the trouble coming, so he leaped into the sea a fish in the ocean. Uh, Kiwani dived, uh, diving into the waves after him and tried to find him in the coral caves but could not catch him. He became the Hyunlei, a fish still loved by the fishermen on the islands. A dragon goddess continued seeking, swimming swiftly from place to place. Hona saw her passing back and forth off her device. He told her to make a basket from the vine and lower it into the ocean. After a while, she could dive down and find Hunley in it. And Kwani followed the instructions, but each time she dived down, Hunley was swimming beside the basket and was not in it. When she went to back to Old Noma, she was angry and threatened to kill him. But he said, I forgot to tell you that you must get some sea eggs and crabs, pound and mix them together. Put them inside the basket. This is the only Hunley caught by to this day. Uh, sure enough, the trap worked. But she cared about to kill him. She about to kill Hunley. The persuaded he persuaded her to set him free. Addition that he retained his fish form forever. Quanley then went to Maui, where she dwelt in a deep pool near Lahin. After Puna had escaped the dragons, he returned to Hawa and saw his fish. 
his first wife, Homi, and they were very happy together, living in the mountains above Galikua. One day, uh, Homi went out for fishing crabs, and Puna walked into the cave to a came to a uh, walked until he came to a banana plantation. There he ate, lay down to rest, and fell fast asleep. Blazing belonged to the new chief of Oa, cool, and when his watchman found Pua, he tried to tie his hand upon his back and brought him to the chief, who killed him and hung the body in the branches of a bird breadfruit tree. Dude, what the fuck? That's harsh. That's real harsh, dude. Oh. Uh, uh, when Hawaii returned and heard of the death of her husband, she ran down to what? and found Puna hanging out hanging on the branches. She was so upset that she commanded the breadfruit tree to open, step aside the tree, and bade the clothes about her. The fat of the body of Puna fell down to the ground through the branches, was eaten by the dogs below the tree. One of these dogs belonged to the chief Kwa, and it said that the dog came back to his house, played with the chief, then leaped, caught him by the throat, and killed him. That's a really dark story. Prisoners, dark, it's going on in the world today. Oh my god, dude, work was so crazy last month. It's crazy this week. It's kind of, it's kind of, uh, Legend of Punao. Once there was a great chief, Kaikia, who lived with his wife in the Kali Mountains. They were very happy together and overjoyed when they learned that the chief's wife was to give birth to twins. But the labor was long and hard and Cookie's wife died that night. She left behind two beautiful newborn babies. A boy named Kowala Kawa Ahila, which means the Walia rain, and a girl named Kawakia Oa, the mountain mist. As it grew into beautiful children, Chief Kaiko's bond with his twins became strong and tender. But although their physical needs were well taken care of, Cookies felt that Twins needed a stepmother to provide care for them. So while twins were still very young, he remarried a woman called Hawiya. When Hawiya moved to the children's home, she brought with her a son from a previous marriage, who was deformed and ugly. Whenever the family went, to get, went out together, everyone remarked on how beautiful the twins were, while the eyes either passed over the ugly child or glanced at him in disgust. Been there, man. Hawaii's become jealous and respectful. Resentful. In her husband's presence, she planned to be kind toward the twins. The children grew up quickly, grew up joyfully despite their mother's false love. But as time passed, Hawaii's resentment turned to hatred, and her bitterness swallowed her up. One day, Haiki announced that he had traveled to the Big Island for a long period of time, but he felt safe in the knowledge that his wife, Hawaii, would look after his children with loving care. But as soon as Heiki departed, Kahakia departed. Hawaii's true colors showed. At first, she merely expressed her contempt for twins, who were about ten years old at the time. But before, but before losing her, but before long, her abuse of them became more severe. They were denied food, water, and clothing, and were made to suffer from humiliation. They were sent to work in the taro fields all day and all night. They had to sleep on the hard floors of the houses. While Hawaii and her son enjoyed all the fruits of their labor. When the twins' mother had died, her relatives had prayed, fasted, and performed rituals in order to fortify her in her afterlife. 
so that she might look over her children. Now in her hour of need, their mother's spirit helped and protected them as much as she could, but the persecution of her stepmother continued. Eventually, they were so tired and hungry that they were that they could do no more, and so one night, twins escaped to the mountains. They hid above the Nuwana Pali on a mountain peak called Kuana Honune. Uh, but Hawaii, Hawaii was cunning and determined to track them down. And soon she found the children and dragged them home. They escaped again and ran away to the head of Maunoa Valley. This was a better place to hide and Hawaii spent much time searching for them. Eventually she began to notice that the rainbows constantly appeared at the head of Maunoa Valley as they always do in the presence of rain and mist. She remembered the chosen names and instantly knew where to look. Again, children were discovered and again they escaped. This time, the young twins made their way to Koaka's hill where they found a well in a cave near the cave. They found a sweet potato patch and edible greens and they tended these, eating them with grasshoppers for sustenance. The children were still young, but they were smart and resourceful. They cooked the graves using the bulla method of rolling them around in a covered gourd hot stones in order to steam them. At the time, men and women had to dine separately and go to the brave. So the brave young quality dig a deep double emu oven so they could cook their food separately. He also built a wall to divide the cave into two separate areas. Their peace was not, were not to last long, however. For as their new crops began to ripen, Hawaii managed to find them again, driving them from their hideaway and taking all their crops for herself. This time, the children found a home in the rocky hills just behind Pu'anahu. There were two caves close to one another, and they settled into these. Hoping to their days off, days of fleeing the cruel stepmother were in, at an end. Entirely resourceful, they cleared the land and began to harvest fruits, flowers, and shoots, and caught crossovers, and occasionally a wild duck to eat. Everything seemed to be going well. The only thing they lacked was a body of water. Koili longed to have, have a bath and asked her brother to look for water. Koila knew of a large pond fed by that rain called Kanawai. It was too far east of their hiding, pot, of their hiding place, and it, was, it would be dangerous for the siblings to trek there. However, while out searching, he met the Kaigi water god, who was a maternal ancestor of his, his and who appeared as a lizard. Since this god controlled water sources of the Maki and Maono valleys, Kaono Valley asked him if he could help in opening a water course from the pond to a place near the caves which he and his sister resided. God agreed to help and even divided the water supply of Wali spring so it would run to Kwai's water course in order to give it continuous supply of water. To create the water course, the water got opened an underground passage from the Gwani's pond and Kwai's dove in and swam through the passage. The water burst up through the ground. Then they excavated a pond in time for his sister to swim in when she awoke for her afternoon nap. Kwai Oa loved her bathing pond, but the, this not all the new water course was used for. Her brother, Grotero, and area, and area's fertility became evident. People were attracted to the land and settled nearby. 
More tarot packs sprung up and the area developed into a new to a little village called Kaoponaoa. Taking its name from the twins spring. It was at this time the chief of Kaniki returned from his trip. When he heard how his wife had treated the twins and how they had suffered, he was furious and heartbroken. He killed all he and then himself. To this day, the presence of the twin spirits reign amiss. It's been can be seen each of the areas where they took refuge. Kali Oa Omi Upper Mona Valley. You suck ball. The legend of the man eating spirits of Niao. Early Hawaiians were always dependent on nature and seasons for survival. They had to preserve their resources. And so these are strict hunting and fishing seasons. Older men were not allowed to kill animals animals or catch fish, but when a kapo was lifted, the competitions were was fierce, especially in the case of fishermen, who then had to travel far to find abundant fish to feed their villages. This is the story of such five men, Hakai, Elo, Elkulo, Ya, and Yama. These fishermen were from Kauai, and on one trip, they were forced to set out in their canoes the fish off the distant shores of Mihau, an abundant fishing spot. But in ancient times, it was said that man-eating spirits roamed the islands, and remote, uninhabited locations were dangerous, as anyone who ventured there was easy prey for these evil spirits. These five men were just ordinary fishermen, but they made the difficult decision to travel to Nihau, travel to Nihau in order to find food to feed their community. They fished all day and ended it with a good catch. When the sky darkened into evening, they went ashore to Nihau to clean salt and store their fish. They made a fire and ate some of the fish. And, a bit, and finally, they lay down on the warm sand to sleep. For the next day, would bring more hard work. When the sun rose, there were only four men. Yuma was nowhere to be seen. And at first, they panicked, imagining the spirits had taken, had eaten their companion. They too were, in for, they too were in for the same fate. But Yakai, the leader of the group, called and said, "Yuma had probably gotten up with the sun for some early fishing. He'll be waiting for us here when we turn to our catch." Four men worked all day and returned to the evening and returned late in the evening, but the beach was still empty. There was no sign of Inama. They searched the area to no avail and then waited and waited until the night grew dark and starry. Eventually, they fell asleep lying close together on the beach. The next morning, Ia had disappeared too, and a man knew it was indeed the man eating spirits that passed by the night. Iacolo insisted that they leave this evil place. Ikala said, yes, it is an evil place, but as fishermen, we lead dangerous dangerous lives. We depend on this catch to survive. If we leave now, our village will go hungry. There are only two days left in the season. Let us stay, but we shall sleep in a canoe offshore. So that night, the three squeezed into one canoe, taking turns to watch the sky as others slept. Ikala's watch passed quickly. Then he woke Ilos. As he woke Ilo, Ilo watched past quietly, watched past quietly as well. And then he woke Ikolo. 
Next morning, just before sunrise, the men woke to the sound of beating wings and saw poor Kula struggling to get out of the hands of a flying man-eating creature. It was bat-like, with huge star staring eyes and a horrible black hole for a mouth. With one gulp, their companion disappeared, and the beast flew off into the morning mist. Elo grew, cried out for his friend and cursed the place where he had seen doomed to die. But Ikali's reasoned with him, explaining that if they had left now, no fishermen from their village would ever dare to come back, and that the Brahmins would not have fish. Without fish, they would starve. He came up with a plan to destroy the evil creatures. The two remaining men did not go out on the waters that day. Instead, they toiled on the beach, building a lawn house. Inside the place, two wooden images of men that had curved that carved from wood from the forest. Each image had a pair of eyes made of the gleaming white insides of a mussel shell. When they were done, they uh, waited for the evil spirits to come. Evening wore on, and two men exhausted fought against sleep. The hours dragged by, and eventually they dozed. Suddenly, they were awoke to strange sounds close by. The spirits were at the entrance to the house. Reluctant to enter, they were sure they were two men had the two men were standing awake inside the house. They waited, hoping that the two men would go to sleep, but the patience overcame them. Uh, eventually they went inside and attacked the two wooden images. The spirits thought that the men were tough and stringy and before they had time to realize they had been tricked, the little ran up and threw a fire torch at them. Then he ran to where Luke had the canoe ready on the water and he paddled away quickly. The many spirits were thus destroyed and the two brave fishermen of Kauai were back, went back to the village with plenty of supplies. The fishing grounds on Nila remain safe to this day. That's some little biting twist there. Alright, that's Hawaii. Also, there's, there's like many other stories. Uh, so thank you for listening to this episode of the Monsterlands Podcast. And any other podcasts, any other episodes you listen to, you can join the Facebook group at Monsterland Podcast. At Facebook. Uh, let me check that group. Battle my butt Yes, um, you can join the Facebook group at Monsterland Podcast on Facebook. You can also follow on Twitter at Monsterland P, I believe. And I'll do. You can also enter notes and on the Twitters at G1. You can listen on um, this on Radio Public, Overcast, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, and of course, Anchor. Thank you for listening to this episode. Thank you uh, for being new. I hope you have a wonderful... What's the next, what's the next episode? Next episode is um, Hawaii, Idaho. So, potato, oh, we got a potato state coming up, Idaho. If you know anything, any monster, any cryptids in Idaho, specific to Idaho, hopefully, like legends and stuff, folklore, uh, please let me know. You can send an email to uh, Monsterlands Podcast listening. Thank you, and really seriously, thanks.
Thank you for listening to this episode of Monster Legend Podcast. Or to find more information about Monster Legend Podcast, go to monsterlegendpodcast.com or anchor.fm forward slash monsterlegendpodcast. There you can find all episodes and platforms on which the podcast is on, which you can describe, subscribe to. You also can email me with questions that will be answered on the show. Thank you. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.